0: Well, good morning, at Cornerstone. Good to be with you. Uh, apologies, it's been a bit of a, a George time this morning, uh, but we're going to be continuing our series now in the book of Luke. We're looking at the shepherds. We've been doing this Christmas series where we've been looking at different characters from the Christmas story. We've looked at Mary, we've looked at Joseph, looked at Elizabeth, and, and now here we are, we're, we're looking at the shepherds. But before we do that, I want to share you a little story. It's a story about a man who lived on a tropical island. It's a true story. And he lived on a tropical island. I don't know if you can picture that at the moment in that cold UK. White beaches, palm trees. It was beautiful. And he had everything. had a business, had money, had relationships, food, an amazing place yet he was depressed, empty inside. Yet he heard what we're gonna be looking at today and he found exceeding joy and great peace. How do I know that? Because that man was me. That man was me. I lived on a tropical island and couldn't find joy and peace but found it in the good news of exceeding joy that we're gonna hear about today. So extraordinary news comes to ordinary people that brings great joy and peace. That's our theme for today. Extraordinary news comes to ordinary people that brings great joy and peace. So let's have a read of our passage this morning. I encourage you to pick up your Bible and to follow along. Just a great thing to do. I know uh, it'll be coming up on the screen as well. So if you haven't got a Bible at all, that will be on the screen. But if you do have a Bible, can I encourage you to to go there? Because what's so vital is you see, this is coming from God's word and not just George's thoughts, but what is God saying to us? So you can follow along as we go through. So Luke chapter two, and we're gonna read verses eight to 21. So we're focusing on the shepherds in this story. Let me pray as you find your Bibles and turn to that. So, Father, help me, help us to focus this morning Lord, whatever distractions are going on right now. Would you gather our hearts? Would you help us to engage with what is on screen? Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, to know that you are speaking to us through your word and, please, through your servant this morning. open ears, open eyes. Let us leave this morning with great joy and great peace because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's read then. So, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. There's so much here that's so rich. But a few things that we're going to look upon and like Mary, ponder in our hearts. Ordinary shepherds chosen. Ordinary us chosen. An innocent lamb comes so guilty sheep go free. And then finally the news brings great joy and peace when you see it. So ordinary shepherds chosen, ordinary us chosen. So remember who we've looked at so far in this series. We've looked at Zachariah and Elizabeth, an ordinary elderly couple. We've looked at Mary, an ordinary young woman. We've looked at Joseph, an ordinary carpenter. Now shepherds, ordinary shepherds. It was a common trade at this time in history, a familiar job to many and therefore ordinary in that sense. These are just normal men, hardened, toughened men. I mean, look, they're they're out in the field by night. Verse eight, it says, I walk at night in Sefton Park with my dog. I get a little bit twitchy. These men are out in the middle of the night, protecting the flock from wolves and from harm and from danger. So these are tough men. Verse 11, they're told that in the the city of David, a saviour is to be born. And so we're beginning to see this this theme of shepherds. We should be asking, why is God appearing to shepherds out in a field? Why is he sending angels there? Well, remember David, this city of David. Remember David who's being quoted there. David from the Old Testament, the, the king of Israel. But before he was king of Israel, what was he? He was a shepherd. There's a theme running through scripture of of shepherds. And shepherds in in Latin, a fact that I learned this week, means pastor. In Latin, pastor is shepherd. I am a, a shepherd. But Luke wants us to see something here in this passage. God ultimately wants us to see something. Shepherds are that key theme in scripture. In Isaiah, it says this, chapter 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. Speaking of the one that's to come, speaking of the Messiah that was coming into the world to be the saviour. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. Is that for you this morning? And gently lead those that are with young. So this coming one is gonna be a shepherd. The city of David that shepherds are told to go to is Bethlehem. That's where the Saviour is to be born. And even that piece of information in our passage is telling us something, it's tying something together. And some of you might be thinking, yet this is the Old Testament prophecy from the book of Micah. The book of Micah talked about the Messiah and where he would be born. Which is incredible. So I'm gonna turn to Micah chapter five, verse two to five. You're welcome to turn there with me, uh, but it should be on your screens as well. And it says this, Micah chapter five, verse two to five. But you, O Bethlehem Epiphrah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem was a small, ordinary, forgotten place. Do we feel like that sometimes in Liverpool? A forgotten place, a place that people try and put on the side. Well, it says here, but you, O Bethlehem, are too little from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, who's coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. That's God. (laughs) The only one that's from of old and ancient days, it says it in the book of Daniel as well. This is talking about God himself coming into the world to rule his people. It goes on verse three, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, that's Mary, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand, talking about the Messiah, listen to this, listen to this, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. This coming saviour, this coming ruler, this coming God, this God-man will be a shepherd. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. That's what a shepherd does, he helps his sheep to be secure, to be safe. And this shepherd that's being spoken of here is going to do that, not for animals, but for his people. Verse 5 of Micah says, and he shall be their peace their peace that's why he's come to protect to guide to bring peace so this is incredible hundreds of years before jesus is born we are told the town that he's going to be born in we're told about a virgin remember we looked at that a couple of weeks ago every detail of Jesus's coming is predicted and that should astound our hearts. Jesus has predicted that even a census would mean that Joseph and Mary would have to travel back to Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem. I mean, let that encourage you about how much God knows about the detail, how much he knows about the detail of your life, how he's knitting everything together for good. But notice in in verse for that this coming saviour verse 4 of Micah is to be a shepherd but not animals it's us it's those that follow him those that follow this saviour they're his sheep and don't we know this from that great psalm that God is a shepherd the Lord is my shepherd Remember that psalm, you know, his, his rod and his staff, they, they comfort me. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need fear no evil because the shepherd is protecting us and guiding us. Even though we walk through a pandemic, we need fear no evil because he is with us. He will guide us through and get us to the other side. What a shepherd we have. You see, John's gospel, Jesus himself later in his life, said this i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep what an incredible shepherd he doesn't just protect from walls he's saying i lay down my life i give up my life i die for you my sheep these men are willing to enter danger but jesus says i am willing to die In fact, verse 11 of our passage in Luke's gospel says he is going to be a saviour. He's not just willing to die for his sheep. That's the very reason he came. He came to save. He came to rescue. And that rescue came about by his giving up of his life. That's why he came. And we see this this title in verse uh, verse 11. David, a saviour who is Christ who is the Lord, Saviour Christ and Lord. Saviour, what is a Saviour? It's someone to rescue, someone to save from something. He has come to rescue us from something this Christmas. And that something is sin. It's our rebellion, it's our, our willful disobedience, our turning away from the fountain of living water and turning elsewhere. We have sinned, we have broken God's law. There is a great punishment that we deserve. But Jesus says, no, I am going to become a human. I am going to be your shepherd. I'm going to come and die for you, to save you, to absorb that punishment myself because I love you, because I'm for you, because I want you. And so we see that he is the Christ and that's not his surname, is it? It's a title. He is the anointed one, the one that has been promised. Do you know there's, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament part of the Bible? Three, over 300. And that's incredible. I mean, if I gave you like uh, five facts about someone, you'd know who that person was. Like if I said something like, uh, someone's got a big ginger beard, blue eyes, um, quite tall, slightly overweight, you know who I'm talking about. Straight away. Well, this has got 300 predictions about the coming Messiah, even to the point of the town and the family line that he would be born into. It's incredible. So don't miss all this richness, even in that sentence when it's called the Christ, there's so much there. So with this as your backdrop, put yourself in this scene, because we're told that he's Lord as well. He's gonna rule, he's gonna guide his people, he's gonna shepherd them, he's gonna tell them where to go. And so as we look at our scene, have that in your, in your mind as your backdrop. These ordinary men are out in an ordinary field on an ordinary night of work. Boom! An angel just appears in front of them. This great light shone around them, it says. And these hardened men are afraid. Wouldn't you be? And that's enough, isn't it? That's just like, wow, what is going on here? But then suddenly, verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a, a multitude of heaven. Just picture the book of Revelation when you see all those angels worshipping and bowing before God. It's that kind of picture of, of heaven. We're getting a slight glimpse of that in this scene. And they're singing and they're praising and, and these ordinary shepherds are being chosen for something Extraordinary. And don't miss how ordinary us in ordinary Wavertree or wherever you find yourself are chosen to receive this same extraordinary news and message. So brothers and sisters, are you feeling lost this season? Jesus is your shepherd. Look to him. Let him guide you. That's why he's come, to be your shepherd. There's a line from a film that a certain generation might remember, Dirty Dancing, and the lead character comes over, and this line is just, everybody knows it. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Everyone loves it. Why do we love that line? Because we all feel a bit ordinary and a bit left in the corner, a bit kind of forgotten. And the hero of the story comes over and and grabs us. But imagine God, (laughs) creator of the universe, Jesus, says to you, you're not ordinary. I know who you are. I love you. I'm for you. Come with me. Nobody forgets you. I want you part of this, says God. And that's what he's saying to the shepherds, to to these ordinary men. Luke also gives us another little clue here as well in this scene. Verse um, one of chapter uh, two says that uh, they're in the region of um, Quirinus, the governor of Syria. So they've been told to, to, to come to Bethlehem. And then in our passage, it says in the same region in verse eight. So, so these shepherds are in the same region of the city of David. And why is that important? Because it's important because the shepherds weren't out in the fields, out in the wilds, out in the countryside where sheep were often grazed. No, they were near to the city. Which in all likelihood means that these sheep, these lambs were going to be used in the temple for sacrifice. These were the sacrificial lambs. These shepherds were looking after those, protecting them. And the phrase watching over the flock denotes that they were in a tower which would have been close to the city and they could see all the animals. So that's an interesting fact because when the angel in verse 12 says the child's about to be born, is gonna be born in swaddling cloths, that would have pricked their ears. Swaddling cloths are what they used to protect the lambs, to wrap the lambs in, to keep them spotless and perfect. And they would have been kept in a manger. And so these shepherds have their ears pricked. And it says that they made haste to go and see what I've been told to them. And it's here that we move on and see a sacrificial lamb comes to let a guilty sheep like you and I go free. Let's have a look at the sacrificial lamb. So verse 16, they rush to find Mary and Joseph. And I just wanna give you a spoiler alert here. I don't think Jesus was born in a stable. I'm sorry if it's gonna ruin your Christmas nativity that you've put out on the window or whatever you do. But I think much of the nativity scenes that we see in windows and town squares is, is far from reality. You see, Joseph is in the line of David. And so that's why he's going back to Bethlehem, the, the town of David, the city of David. That's where he's from. So he would have had reality uh, relatives sorry, in this town, which is why he's coming there. He knows people. So the custom would be to inquire of a place to stay. You know, imagine Steve moves away from Liverpool and then he comes back at Christmas time to visit and rather than letting his mum and dad know that he's back or his brothers or his sister, he decides to try the local hotel. When it's full, he decides to go and sleep in Sefton Park. I mean, that would be mad, wouldn't it? But it's even more mad in biblical times. Joseph, in all likelihood, would have found the house of a relative And although there were many returning, it would have been busy time, his relative would have been duty bound to house him. And so the houses in that era were were like one long house, one long room if you like, that was sort of just divided up. And at one end you had the kind of guest area where you'd uh, let guests stay and keep that a little bit nicer. And then the middle room would be your kind of living space and also where you'd sleep at night. And then at the end there'd be a, a section for your animals where at night time you bring your animals into that section and, and you would have maybe a manger in your living space to, to keep any newborn animals. And so the likelihood is Joseph and Mary are in that living space because the guest room, the inn, as it's described earlier on, the guest room is is full. So they're in this living space. So why is that important to say? Because I think it makes it even more ordinary, doesn't it? Jesus isn't somehow in some wild place outside and and sort of somehow distant from the reality of what we go through. No, he's he's in an ordinary family home, much like many people would have been born in. So he's he's coming into our ordinariness. He's not distant. He's God with us. And the word... um, in that is in verse seven, just before we get to our passage today. It does say the word in and we can read that and think, well, that means a a kind of inn or a public house or a pub or something like that. But this word in is translated elsewhere in Luke's gospel as, as upper room, which is guest room, the upper room. It's not translated as elsewhere in Luke's gospel when he talks about the Good Samaritan and the tavern that the Good Samaritan stays in. It's a different word. So all that to say, I think Jesus was born in a very ordinary home. And so the shepherds arrive in this scene and it's the angels said, just as the animals are in a manger wrapped in the cloths, so Jesus is wrapped in these cloths. The picture is one of a baby lamb being born. That's the kind of picture that we're seeing because it's not quite right. He's not in a crib. He's not in a child's crib. It's probably being used by one of the other guests. But he's in a manger, an animal's place of birth. He's in swaddling cloths, cloth, some strips of cloth that would have been used for lambs. The, the picture is that this, this is some kind of lamb almost, and it, it should jar with them. And it, I'm sure it did. Think about it, you have a baby in a manger and cloths used for spotless lambs. You have a group of shepherds standing around the scene. It looks like a scene of a lamb. But remember as well, what what did John the Baptist say when he first saw Jesus for the first time? Behold, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus is this baby. Jesus is the Lamb who has come. Why is that significant? Well, again, back in the Old Testament, do you remember the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt? God sent Moses and and God used Moses to bring ten plagues on to the people of Egypt because they wouldn't release his people. And one of those was the firstborn is going to be killed if you don't let my people go. Is a picture of judgment. And that was true for the Israelites. Their firstborn would have been killed, but he said to his people, to God's people, take the blood of a lamb and wipe it on the doorposts of your house. And as I see the blood on the doorposts, I will pass over the judgment on your house because it's already fallen on a lamb. But the judgment hadn't really fallen on those little sweet lambs. It's to fall on this lamb, this lamb in the manger, this Jesus who was coming into the world to take away our sins. And so in the book of Revelation, we see this picture in chapter 7, verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Did you hear that? For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. In glory, in heaven, in this picture in Revelation, where these angels are, there is a lamb There is a throne, there is a shepherd. Do you see the parallels? Because in our scene, there is a lamb, there is a manger, and there are shepherds. God is trying to show us a reality of who he is. Jesus is your sacrificial lamb, the one who atones and brings you to his glory, to his sight, and it's this sacrificial lamb that with his fingers will wipe away your tears. Incredible, incredible God we have. Don't miss it this Christmas. I pray that you're still with me this morning and still tuning in because this is amazing news. And you know this Christmas has, has taken on new meaning for Kate and I with the arrival of Henry. I've Been thinking this time last year, Didn't think Henry would be here. We thought we'd lost him. And so as Mary looks on at this scene and ponders it in her heart, you know it made me think of God the Father. Looking on as well, seeing all that was happening. Think of that. The Father looking on, knowing that his son is gonna be the sacrificial lamb. Just the thought of that for me as I think Henry growing up and going to a cross, just... Just the pain of that. You know, the greatest Christmas present that God can offer us is himself, is his son. Father offers his son. The son offers himself to us in love and to his father in love. What love is this? What incredible love is this? You know, as I typed that this week, I was listening to to songs And the lyric to how great thou art was playing. And it said, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden, your burden, gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. This is what Luke wants us to see in this passage. This is what God wants us to see. Jesus is that lamb as well as the shepherd. And so that brings us to our final point, which is this news brings joy and peace. Brings joy and peace. Verse 11 says, unto you, for unto you is born. Yes, you. To you, unto you is born. This day, that's for us. The angels cannot help themselves, can they? Verse 13, they're just praising God, glory to God in the highest. They can't help themselves. It just struck me as well this week. Do you know, the angels don't get anything out of this, do they, particularly? They don't get any extras or any blessing or whatever it is, they just get to see. And when they see what God is doing for us as humanity, they're just praising God. Look at how amazing God is. They can't help but sing and dance and praise him. And so when you are full of joy, the praise just drips from your lips, doesn't it? These angels are gazing into this full of joy. But this is for us. This joy should come to us. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, wholeness, stillness, a mind that is at rest in God. God wants to give that to you. But, but George, it says in the same verse, those whom God is pleased with. He can't be pleased with me, George. Not after the things I've done, not after lockdown and the sins I've committed that I've, I've kind of hidden away and kept secret from people because they can't see what I'm doing. He can't be pleased with me, so I can't receive this peace. Well, oh, friend, who is God pleased with? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God is pleased with those that have faith. And even that faith is a gift from God. So if you have faith, however small, however tiny that faith is, God is pleased with you. His favour rests on you. If that's where you've placed your trust, however feeble and weak that might feel, He is pleased and wants to give you his peace. Whether you feel that or not, it's an objective reality. Trust him. Trust him. You know, it's not those that have it all together, who have decorated their tree back in July, sent all their Christmas cards in February, pre-ordered the turkey, actually managed to learn three languages during lockdown, keeps it all together as a mum. Not the man that everyone looks up to. Ordinary shepherds, ordinary people with faith. They're the people that God comes to. Weak, feeble, messy, broken people. Do you see who this news is for? Verse 10. Look at verse 10. Who is it for? It's for all people. You are not excluded. All you need is to come to ask him. Do you crave peace this Christmas? Do you desire joy? You know, one of my happiest memories this year is holding Henry in my arms for the first time. Many of you know we've we've lost several children. I've held other children in my arms, but Henry looked up at me and it was wonderful. (laughs) But as wonderful as that is, it pales in comparison to knowing that I am held in the heavenly arms of my Father in heaven. He holds me, he guides me, he's for me, he's for you. When you see who Jesus is, you, you can't help but, but join with the heavenly realm in singing praise. And the, the shepherds couldn't help it. Do you notice that as well? Uh, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. The angels were praising and then as as the shepherds saw Jesus, as they heard about him and then went to see who he was, that's when they started to glorify and praise God. They looked, they saw, they heard. And the result is praise and glorification of God. Are you looking? Do you see? Are you pondering like Mary these things in your heart? Or is it... In one ear and and out the other and and off with other things. Because if you're thinking, well, I don't have this peace, George. I don't have this this joy. That could be some of the indicators. Are you spending time looking towards Jesus? Or are you spending time looking in a different direction? Because when I lack peace, that's what happens to me. I listen to the other voices. I get guided by the wrong shepherds leading me down the wrong path. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, they they know me, they listen to my voice and they follow me. Listen to his voice, be attentive, fix your eyes on him. The angels here in this passage call us to behold, behold to gaze, to look intently. So behold Christ this Christmas, fix your eyes on him. But what what does that even mean? We we say these phrases, don't we? Fix your eyes and and behold. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, verse 15, they go to Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. See that the Lord has made this known to you. You know, you you can't just pick this up occasionally like a a magazine at a GP surgery. or, Or a Christmas present that you kind of... You get excited about for a day or two and then you forget what you got last year. No, this is to be your treasure. To be the thing that you value most in life. Is this baby? Is this Jesus? Is this one that came to the cross? Because verse 18 tells us, all who heard what the shepherd said, they wondered. They wondered. And this word wondered means to marvel to be astonished. And I wonder, do we we lose our wonder and our marvel at what Jesus has done? It can become just this background noise, don't let that happen. How do we not let that happen? We say, Jesus, please, stir my affections. Even this morning as George is speaking, Holy Spirit, waken me, stir my heart, stir my affections for you. Are you astounded at Christmas? Jesus, the incarnate, becomes God with us, becomes the lamb, becomes your shepherd. Let us not lose our wonder. And so I'm just going to give you three things as I draw this to a close that you could remember. Number one, do you feel ordinary? Jesus comes for you. You are not inconsequential. You have a God who sees and loves the ordinary and loves the outcast. Stop looking down on yourself and start looking up to him. Number two, Jesus is the lamb from the Garden of Eden when those animals were killed to cover Adam and Eve through to the lamb that John saw all the way through to this lamb on the throne that we've heard about. He is your sacrifice, not your effort. He is your sacrifice. Stop looking at your works and start looking his works. Number three, Jesus brings joy and peace. Have you forgotten how good the good news is? It's exceeding joy, it's ever increasing joy. That's what the good news is. Have you stopped praising Him during lockdown? So stop looking to your circumstances for joy and start looking to the joy and peace found in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, we've been told something extraordinary. We've received something extraordinary. Little ordinary us have been chosen to share this news that brings great joy and peace. Dane Ortland says this, the same one who reached out and touched lepers put his arm around us today when we feel misunderstood and sidelined. The Jesus who reached out and cleansed messy sinners reaches into our souls and answers our half-hearted plea for mercy with the mighty, invincible cleansing of one who cannot bear to do otherwise. Isn't that amazing? So when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy, what joy shall fill my heart then shall I bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you've done for ordinary us. Jesus, I thank you that you came willing to become that baby, that sacrificial lamb, Jesus, I thank you that you are our shepherd. Help us to follow you, to hear your voice, to know where to go. Guide us, Lord. Show us the way through this dark valley, the shadow of death as it follows us. We trust you, Jesus, and we love you. Please bless people this morning. If there's anybody here, Jesus, listening that doesn't know you, open eyes. Let them see the joy and the peace that is found in you. Oh, Jesus, I love you and I thank you for all that you've done. In your beautiful and life-giving name do I pray. Amen. Amen.